This is Blog Life the Journey, presented by Too Much Tuma. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Blog Life the Journey. My name is Brendan Tuma. You can find me on Twitter at Too Much Tuma or email me at brendan.tuma at gmail.com. As always, I'm joined by my co host and producer, Sawyer Hume. Sawyer, how's it going? It's going good. Just still riding high after our last podcast. Killed it. Yep, we're pretty. We're pretty excited right now because we're coming off easily our most listened to episode yet. That was recorded this past Monday with Clem from Barstool, and you can listen to that both on SoundCloud and iTunes under Blog Life The Journey. Uh, we mentioned this before, but basically Sawyer and I are just a couple of stoolies who are really interested in the background stories of our favorite Barstool personalities. If anyone has any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or anything like that, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Most of the feedback we got from the Clem episode has been good. Uh, but we're dying for even more. That being said, tonight's guest is our first that doesn't actually write for Barstool, though he's been affiliated with them in some way for a while. It's Pete Blackburn from the Section 10 podcast Brunch and formerly of Fox Sports. Let's get to it. All right, so we're now joined by Pete Blackburn. And Pete, we want to start off just by you know thanking you for coming on and doing this with us. Absolutely. I'm unemployed. I got plenty of time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so in the intro just now, uh, I went over, you know, everything you're involved with, Section 10, Brunch, you know, formerly of Fox Sports. Uh, first question, when, whenever you meet someone new, whether it's a family member or friend of a friend, how do, how do you describe what it is that you do? Uh, I usually just say writer because it's the easiest sort of like uh it's the easiest sort of direction to go in i could say blogger but then i feel like that's kind of takes away a little bit of the shine and makes it a little bit more of like a hey yeah that's kind of pathetic um so i usually go writer right yeah exactly i usually go writer and then i'll I'll let them ask questions from there gotcha um yeah writer it sounds much more sophisticated than blogger as well i guess absolutely um but, but even writer, I think, you know, is underselling yourself in a lot of ways. You know, I, we, we obviously think very highly of you that we're having you on right now. Um, but I, I would consider you kind of like the next wave of, you know, whether you want to call it sports media or sports journalism. I mean, you've gotten jobs just from Twitter alone. And, yeah, pr- uh, pretty much kinda, every job. Every job I've gotten yeah. is, is at least through Twitter partially. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty sure. So we kind of want to just like go through that process of, you know, how all this got started and then, you know, how you went from just starting your own blog to working at Fox Sports um, to then becoming unemployed. But uh, so if you could just hit us, you know, just where you grew up, what you went to college for, where you went to college and, you know, we'll kind of just go a few steps at a time and discuss it from there. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Waltham, Massachusetts, uh, and then I went to Endicott College in Beverly. Uh, Beverly, Massachusetts. Uh, I studied journalism. Uh, when I started there, I think it was uh, it was just like classic journalism kind of newspaper. Um, that's kind of where it was tailored to. And then halfway through my college uh, tenure, uh, they switched it to digital journalism and switched the focus to kind of uh, online journalism and, and online media. Um, so that that certainly helped me. Um, I, I initially wanted to be like a newspaper reporter. I wanted to do, uh, like classic sports journalism. And then, uh, just kind of the closer that I got to that industry, I realized that I didn't want any part of it. Everybody seemed miserable. You seemed, it seemed like, uh, you had to work 
10, 15 years in absolutely garbage markets and doing uh, reporting on like high school sports or reporting on, uh, you know, just things that I wasn't interested in. No, 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 not knocking the people that do that now. I know that that's kind of like the grind that you have to go through. That's a classic Mm -hmm. grind, but I didn't want to do that. I'm lazy. So I wanted to find a back door. um, And I guess like the, I don't really know what my thought process was uh, when I started the blog that I did in college, but I think it was just, you know, I, I wanted to write about the things that I wanted to write about. And I figured that if I had uh, a place to do that, and I knew that like that a lot of people weren't going to read it, I wasn't going to get a ton of readership. I just wanted to, to kind of be able to write about the things that I wanted to write about sports, uh, whether it's local or national and, and be able to kind of be my own boss technically and dictate, you know, how I, how I got my hands dirty. So I started doing that. I did that for all four years of my college experience, basically. Um, And I did that every day and kind of just wrote and just tried to get reps, as many reps as I could, uh, and get familiar with the online landscape, see what works or what didn't, and, you know, maybe network, get to know a few people uh, in that that blogosphere. Um, and, and, you know, that, I think really think that that was the, honestly, like the most rewarding thing that I did in my four years of college was just going on my own and kind of getting my hands dirty and writing every day and learning, you know, the ins and outs. I think that was the most valuable thing that I did. Uh, you, you definitely picked the right time to start, you know, in college when you, you have a lot of free time in general. I'm always mad at myself that I wish I started doing things like this earlier, um, but that was what, uh, 2010 ish, roughly like when you were first. Yeah. Started? So I, I graduated in 2013. So like 2009, 2010 to 2002, 2013 is when I was kind of running my own blog. And I think, uh, I think the hardest part, you know, when it comes to, you know, getting a job in, you know, this field is, is just starting, you know, literally just starting your own right. blog and taking the time to do that. It's, it must've been easy to, you would have rather like hang out with friends, drink a bit, yeah. Um, but when, so when you first started that, were you thinking like, this is kind of going to be my start to a career or was it just a hobby, a little both? Uh, it was, it was for sure a hobby at, at, at the beginning. Um, but again, like I said, I mean, like it, it was, I've always wanted to be a sports writer, um, mm-hmm. in some sort of fashion. So it was a hobby because I, I didn't expect much of it when I started it. But at the same time, you know, I knew that, that it would be a decent way to build up a portfolio. Like I could write about the things that I wanted to write about. Um, you know, I would have actual physical, you know, work that I could show an employer or something like that. Um, and you know, that was kind of, it was, I think it was a mix of both. Like it was a hobby because I certainly enjoyed it. Um, but I knew that it would, it would come in handy and it would kind of give me a step up from, from, you know, the people at my age who are just kind of just doing classes and things like that and don't have a lot to show for it. Um, so that's kind of where I was, but you're right. I mean, it, it, it kind of, it's, it's a tough call. Like I know a lot of people aren't doing it. Like you'd rather hang out with your friends. You'd rather, you know, just kind of enjoy your four years of college and and take advantage of any free time that you have. But, and you know, my friends would make fun of me. Like when I was in college, they'd be like, Oh, it was the sports blog or whatever. It's like, and I like I, I get it, but also at the same time now I can look back and be like, mm, well, it kind of works. So fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it's a type of thing. If if you don't do it at all, you don't have a chance. And if you do just start doing it, you do have a chance. And right. what you said, like getting raps, like that, that is invaluable, especially when no one's reading. Is kind of like the best time to start that because I know like 
people joke about like find your voice a lot, but, but it's a real thing. You know, anyone that's like been writing for a bit, yeah. uh, they can attest to that. They're like finding the voice is Absolutely. an actual process. Absolutely. Like it, I didn't find my voice until like probably I would say like not even like by the time that I finished doing my blog, when I walked away from it, I still didn't have like a fully developed voice, but I was certainly three years closer to it than I was Mm -hmm. when I first started the blog. But those three years in which I was able to kind of like decide, all right, an experiment where I was like, all right, this isn't who I want to be. This isn't the voice that I want to write with and kind of push those off the table. Those three years were valuable, even if it's not, who, if, even if I'm not writing in the same style that I am today. Yep. No, absolutely. And so you're out here in college grinding, um, you know, doing everything you needed to do. And that uh, is how you parlayed that into your first job, right? Yeah. So I, uh, so I ran my blog in college for, you know, like I said, like three years. And then immediately after college, uh, I was offered a job running uh, a small, small scale operation, like basically like another blog. Um, that was a little bit more legitimate, was able to pay me uh, a salary, even though it, it wasn't a lot. It was I, mean, I can't even say it wasn't a lot. Like it wasn't much of anything. It was basically <laughs> paycheck to paycheck. Um, but I was running, yeah, I was running that blog um, and kind of, you know, it was, I had a lot of freedom and uh, I, it was, I got my hands dirty and was able to get a job right out of college and, and continue doing the stuff that I like doing. So I can't complain about it at all. Um, and then, so I did that for like a year, year and a half, somewhere around there. And then I got a job, uh, from doing that. Uh, and I latched onto Uproxx, uh, and that was like the first legitimate, like I actually have a job, like an adult job mm-hmm. where I'm getting paid, you know, good money. So, uh, that was, so like, I, I didn't have to grind at all. Uh, well I did grind through, you know, obviously the blog that I started and then the blog that I was running for a year, but like, I didn't have to work jobs that I hated. I've loved every job that I've had. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, it was a huge, huge tool for me in college to be able to kind of jump right into the workforce and be able to do something that I loved. Is that a tough sell at all? You know, when you're talking to like, whether it's parents or family members or, you know, friends just asking what you're doing, like, uh, explaining, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm not making a lot, but it, it's like what I, I'm doing what I like and, you know, I'm hopeful it could lead to something. Yeah. So like, I'm super lucky in the sense that my mom's been really supportive of, mm-hmm. you know, of my career aspirations from the very beginning. Uh, you know, she, she let me live at home, no rent. Like she understood that, you know, I wasn't getting paid much, but I was, I was still able to pay my loans. Um, so that was like the biggest thing, uh, as long as I can pay my loans, my mom's cool with, you know, if, if I'm struggling, it's fine. She's going to support me. Um, but as long as I was able to pay my loans, she's no questions. Doesn't really like, why are you doing this? She understands. And, and, uh, you know, so I, I was super thankful for that. No pressure. Um, and, uh, as far as my friends go, I mean, or other people, it's just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going, I love waking up in the morning and, and doing what I do. So it's like my friends can't really say anything, even if I'm not making too much money. Yeah. Um, so, so that's awesome. And you ended up at Uproxx, which like you said, it was your first kind of like legit job job and help me out a bit with the timeline here. So between section 10 and brunch and winding up at Fox sports, kind of what came first? Oh man. Uh, 
I, I don't even know if I know that. Um, I think Section 10 happened when I was at Uprox. So uh, Uprox came first. I was doing that for a little while. Then uh, while I was at Uprox, they didn't really have much of a podcast footprint. Um, so mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, me and Jared uh, started Section 10 on our own just kind of for fun. Um, because Jared wasn't at Barstool, or at least not at Barstool full-time when we started Section 10. Um, so uh, we kind of just started that for fun. Um, and then I was at Uproxx for about a year, a little over a year, maybe like a year and a half. And then I jumped to Fox Sports. So uh, mm-hmm. that jump to Fox Sports was you know, well into the Section 10. Gotcha. Um, so... Again, I think of you as kind of, you know, some sort of sports media or social media, you know, savant. And one of the things we hear all the time is you have to be, I forget the exact, like multidimensional and you got to be able to, ideally, you got to be able to write, you got to be able to tweet, do podcasts, do TV. So was Section 10 kind of like the first podcast you took on? I mean, I've heard Jared tell the story about you guys just kind of ordered all this equipment and then you just had all the shit and you were in your basement and it took you like an hour to record the first episode. Is, Is that all pretty accurate? That is, it's actually, it's not super accurate because it didn't take us an hour to record the first episode. It, we recorded the first episode and then literally the audio was garbage. Uh, like <laughs> none of it was usable. So we had, Jared had to come back to my house the very next day and we recorded the exact same episode basically and just redid everything we did the day before um, and yeah, made sure that the audio worked this time. So uh, it was a, it was very shaky, very humble beginnings. Um, I, I had actually podcasted like sporadically in college, just trying to, you know, dip my feet in the water a little bit. I mean, like you said, I knew from the very beginning that, that being versatile and, and being uh, multidimensional was something that, you know, I held really important in, in high importance just because, you know, the, the field and the landscape of me is changing. So the more you're able to do. Um, the more valuable you are. And basically, like from the very beginning, all I was looking to do was, you know, get a head, a heads up and, uh, you know, a, a foot above or whatever you want to say. I was trying to just kind of put myself above the competition because it's such a hard field to break into. So mm-hmm. I was just trying to really grind and do anything that I could to, to make me a little bit more valuable to uh, prospective employers. And were you, you were you and Jared friends before you started, or how, how exactly did you know him, or did that come about? Uh, so I knew him like a little bit through Twitter, but uh, like the main connection that I had uh, and that I made with him is that uh, one of my best friends uh, in my freshman year of college at Endicott was uh, one of his best friends from home. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would come up to Endicott like a few times a year or whatever uh, in that year. And I had met him um, once or twice. And, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for him and kind of, you know, we had that connection because he was doing the same shit that I was. You know, he was grinding and just trying to make it through, uh, you know, a different channel and, you know, trying to avoid those, you know, those crappy newspaper jobs and stuff like that. And he was kind of just doing it on his own, hopefully and hoping that it would uh, turn into something bigger. So, you know, we, we shared that, um, and kind of, you know, our friendship just budded from there. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about starting the podcast for a, a few years before it actually happened. Um, and, and, you know, eventually one day we were just like, all right, 
let's actually do this. Let's be serious about it. And then that's when we sunk a bunch of money into the equipment and, uh, you know, set up a studio. And, and from there it was like, all right, we can't turn back now. So it was an actual thing. So, uh, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do something and, you know, this is a piece of advice that I've given a lot of times, it's like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna start a blog when you're in college or you're gonna start a podcast or anything like that, do it all the way, like fully commit to it. Um, it's not, it's probably not going to be good at, at the very beginning, but if you fully commit to it, uh, it, it'll be valuable and it'll, you know, it'll provide uh, a reward at some point. So. Um, no, yeah, that's great advice. I think, and like similar to what we said, when you first started the blog, a lot of times you said you talked to Jared about like two years before you actually did it and just actually getting started the toughest part. But I mean, now that's section 10. I mean, it's, uh, it's a perfect alternative to sports radio in Boston, I would say. Um, you've added Steve, who you know I would think most people would be with, most people would agree is a great addition. And I mean, you're over 100 episodes in now, um, so definitely keep up the great work with that. And sticking with the podcast theme, uh, Brian, I first I was like a fan of Jared, and that's kind of how I came about you was through Section 10. And then I heard you talk about brunch, and I started listening to brunch, and uh, I. I've listened, you know, probably for a few months now, and I'm still kind of not sure, like, what the hell is brunch? Can you, can, if you had to give it, like, explain it in a few sentences, how would you do it? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. It really is. And that's kind of, we feel like the beauty of it. We don't have, uh, like a set, uh, set agenda or anything like that. It's not like, oh, we have to talk about sports. We have to talk about movies, have to talk about pop culture. Like, we can go wherever we want with it. But I think, like, the main, uh, the main goal of it is to kind of, you know, it's not, it's not just for guys, but like, obviously we're guys. And so that's like our perspective. Um, but you know, two of the things that me and DJ are, are very alike in the, in the ways that we're alike is that, uh, you know, we really just like, don't care, uh, about, you know, the, the, the stereotypes of guys like masculinity, kind of like just trying to break down that wall of like, Mm-hmm. bros and, and stuff like that so we talk about about stuff that a lot of the times that that guys will kind of shake their head at and and so um we're kind of just all about uh, it's a judgment-free zone uh just like be yourself um and kind of you know it, it's it's really difficult to describe but like <laughs> if you listen to it you understand what we're talking about um like one of our earlier earliest episodes in which we, you know, kind of hit our stride was the hot guys and weathermen episode. And basically what it was is that, you know, we basically said, you know, girls are able to talk about uh, what girls they think are hot and attractive all the time. And, you mm. know, for guys, a lot of the times there's just like a, you know, it, there's like a negative connotation to like a guy saying that another guy is really hot. It's like, well, that's gay or whatever. And it's, it's like, why do girls get to talk about that stuff when, when it's gay for guys or whatever? So we basically just yep. said, you know, we're just going to put it out there. We're going to say, you know, I think that guys are attractive and, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm gay. It doesn't mean I want to have sex with them, but like I recognize that an attractive man is attractive and I'm, I feel comfortable saying that and I feel comfortable putting it out there. So we did a full episode on guys that we thought were attractive. So, and, and I think that was kind of the birthplace. It was like, all right you know, we're going to be ourselves and we're not going to care if like, it's not manly, it's not masculine or whatever. We're just going to put everything out there, put it all on the table, be honest. And, you know, I think a lot of people have found it relatable and a lot of people have kind of found it, uh, you know, it's a little freeing to just be completely out there. Um, and you know, I think that's the main goal of it. 
Yep, and I th- it was a m- pretty recent episode. I think you guys were discussing, and uh, I think you said something along. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but like brunch is probably more of a bit of a niche audience than like Section Ten would be. Sure. Um, and you said something like, but the the people that the audience you have listening to brunch like love brunch. And you said like when you get stopped by people, whether it's like at the bar or in the street or whatever, like a lot of times you're getting stopped for brunch more than anything else. Yeah, so Section 10 for sure has a, a, like a much bigger audience um, mm-hmm. and a much bigger listenership. And I think a big part of that is is like the Barstool affiliation and, and all the great work that Jared's done uh, since going over there. Um, you know, he has a huge built-in fan base. So they, they basically do whatever he says and they follow him into the depths of hell. Um, yeah. The cultic Barabbas is what he calls it. Um, so uh, the, the, the listenership to Section 10 is, is way higher than brunch, but... I will say for the people that listen to brunch, like they're way more passionate, or at least it Mm -hmm. seems to me that like they're way more passionate about brunch. And like we have, and it's for sure like the the thing that I get most more than like I'll get stopped and, and some people will say like, Hey, I like your writing or whatever. But like the one thing that people say the most is that like, I listen to brunch and I love brunch. And so that's pretty cool to me, especially with, you know, it's not the biggest listenership in the world. um, But like the fact that that's what people connect with most is kind of cool. So, yeah, so I guess trending a bit away from the podcast stuff now, you said you had up rocks when you started Section 10 and then you ended up at one of the biggest sports media companies in the world. Uh, Fox Sports. And you just talk about that process. You said before all your jobs have been through Twitter. Yeah. So, uh, I actually, my job through, like, I remember it like it was yesterday because it almost was, I was at Fox for a pretty, pretty short period mm-hmm. of time. Um, but I, I posted something, uh, from Uprox one morning, um, and I got a DM, uh, on Twitter and it was, uh, it was from Mike Foss who, was basically like the VP of digital at, at Fox sports. Um, and he had just, I think he was the, the VP of digital. It was something like that. Like he was, he was running content and running editorial at foxsports.com. Um, and he had just got there. Um, and he basically sent me a message, uh, through DM on Twitter and was like, Hey, uh, I've got some, some opportunities coming, opening up at foxsports.com. Uh, I think you'd be a great part of the team. If you're interested, shoot me an email. Um, I sent him an email like 20 minutes later, and it, it actually worked out super well because I was looking for a job at that time. Um, I loved Uprox, but I was kind of putting feelers out there because I didn't have the greatest relationship with my boss at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of what I had been told is that I was being pushed out. Um, so I kind of just put feelers out there. I was talking to Dave, seeing if I could jump onto Barstool. Um, and then uh, that conversation was actually like still open at the time. Dave was like, hit me up in a couple months because this was during the transition to New York. He's like, hit me up once we get set it, set up in New York. Uh, we'll see if something opens up for you. Um, but I got the, the DM from Mike Foss, um, and I emailed him back and it moved super quick. Like I was at Fox probably two weeks later. Um, and it was just a, a really cool opportunity, obviously major, major organization major you know fox sports has a huge brand name uh great people attached to it uh it was an easy sell um and i was there you know super quick Uh, the transition was a blur um and you know i was there for a year and i loved every second of it it was the best job i ever had and um you know it ended pretty poorly 
uh, and pretty suddenly, but you know, stuff happens and, uh, I wouldn't take back a second of the day of, uh, of my time there. So, uh, were you blindsided at all by it? Um, yes and no, because I, I, uh, I knew that it was a possibility. Like it would, it had before like the actual layoffs hit in June, uh, a couple months prior, Mike and my, uh, direct boss, um, above me, uh, had let me know that like, Hey, things are changing around here and, and, you know, we're not exactly sure what direction they're going in, but just to give you a heads up, like it's a possibility that we might be cutting staff. Um, and you know, I was basically from the very beginning, as soon as I heard that, I was like, all right, well that doesn't bode well for me because I was on a non-guaranteed contract. Um, it was an at will, uh, type deal where it's like, I can leave anytime I want. They can cut me anytime they want. Um, so you know, I figured if they're cutting staff, they're going to go to the non-guaranteed people first because that means that they don't have to give them severance pay. Um, mm-hmm. So right from the very beginning, I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. Uh, not not looking good for me. Uh, I started putting feelers out there, kind of seeing what was going on. But at the same time, I didn't want to leave. Uh, and nobody seemed to know what the hell was going on over there. Um, really, like that's the biggest thing that I can say about that whole experience is that Nobody friggin' knew what the hell was going on. Um, and, you know, basically everybody that I worked with got laid off um, and nobody knew. So uh, I had I had an idea that something big might be coming down or, or I had an idea that something might be coming down, but I didn't realize that it was going to be as big and as harsh as it as you know, as ultimately it was, uh, which was basically they laid off the entire editorial staff. I had, had no idea that that was coming until it actually happened. Yeah, so their plan was again like you, there was a lot of backlash to it, you know, that just that they didn't have any more writers on their team, um, and I think you know both you and I would you know just dis- kind of disagree with that decision. But their whole strategy, I guess, is it's all video now, right? And the whole saying like pivot to video. Uh, yeah. um, can you explain it all, like what that means, or, like why uh, an internet website would want to pivot pivot to video? Uh, I mean, an internet website would, would want to pivot to video, I guess, because I think that it's more lucrative in terms of advertising dollars. Ad money. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think that's probably where their head was at. Uh, I don't, I don't really, I'm not going to pretend that I know the business side super well. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've been told, like the, the ad money is more lucrative than video. Um, but with that being said, the pivot to video makes not a ton of sense to me when you already had a, a really, really good editorial team in place. And I, I think, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I thought that our editorial team at Fox was among one of the best in terms of, uh, you know, on the internet for sports. Um, and, and also the fact that, you know, Fox is, again, a major, major multi-billion dollar corporation corporation that's a company one of a few companies on the internet that could support full-scale video and full-scale writing staff um and it's not like we were losing money for them uh weren't you profitable we were profitable yeah and and that's not that's not something that a lot of internet places can say when they're sinking a ton of money into it because Mm -hmm. you know it's tough to make money on the internet um in terms of just like editorial stuff uh, and you know, you see sports writers being laid off all over the place everywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough industry, but we were profitable. 
Um, we had a great team and, you know, it just all went away just because of, uh, you know, they changed, they pivoted to video and, you know, I think that most people online knew that that was probably a bad idea. Yeah. It was, it was an extremely aggressive move to, you know, right. do at this time. Um, you know, was it weird at all for you when there was a, when you were at Fox sports and there was a petition to get you fired? Uh, yeah, so that was you can give some pretty, context. I, I set that up poorly. You can give some yeah, context to that. I can give some context. Uh, I sent an ill advised tweet during the presidential inauguration in which I mentioned that the president's young son, who was 10 years old at the time, looked like he was. I basically, you know, I thought that he looked kind of evil. And, and, and I guess that, like, in my head, I was kind of say I, I knew that he was 10 years old. But I was doing it in a joking manner. And like I, the way that I kind of justified it in my head was like, hey, everybody hated Joffrey in Game of Thrones and said, you know, nasty things about Joffrey all the time. But I kind of let it slip that like that's a character on a TV show. This is an actual actual 10 year old boy. Um, it was it was certainly ill advised. Uh, I regret sending it. Um, but the backlash was huge. Um I, I nearly lost my job at Fox over it. Um, I guess like the president of Fox, whoever, whatever his name is, uh, not Mike Foss, not not my boss. Uh, the, the actual president, president of like all Fox. president of Fox brand um, wanted to let me go after that, um, but you know my bosses convinced him that I was worth keeping um, and that I provided value to to the company. So uh, you know that they saved my ass. Uh, there. Um, but yeah, that was a very, very interesting few weeks in the life of, of <laughs> me. Uh, I got, you know, the, the alt, I, I don't even know if I want to call them alt right, but like the, the, the right, uh, found every, every single platform, a way to get into my inboxes on every single platform. Uh, I got, uh, you know, petitions to get me fired, uh, awfully worded, awfully worded petitions, awfully spelled, uh, uh, very bad. Um, they found my family, they found my loved ones. I got death, death threats. It was all over the place and it was just That's a insane. really bad time. Uh, and to make matters worse, it was the week that Fox sent me out to, uh, the, the NHL all-star game in LA. Mm -hmm. And that was the first, uh, that was the first like time that they'd sent me out into the field to get coverage and stuff. And I ended up being suspended from Twitter and social media for a week after that. And it was the week that I was in LA to actually cover an event and I couldn't use, uh, you couldn't use Twitter. So that kind of sucked, but I guess it's better than losing my job, even though it eventually. For that, like to get the backlash that it did is just like people like just not understanding what you're about. But I mean, that's the way a lot of the world is, I guess. Um, so we're going to close here. You know, so going to hit you with a few rapid fire questions. But before we get to that, I just wanted to ask if there's any update on, you know, like your job search. And like you said, like this the Fox Sports layoffs came in June and kind of like what you've been up to and, you know, where you could see yourself maybe going from here. Uh, I mean, I've, I've talked to a few places and, and had conversations, um, but, uh, nothing right now. Uh, I'm talk talking to, uh, this moment looks more promising than anything else, uh, that I've had so far this summer. Um, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And I think that eventually 
it could turn into something um, that uh, I'll be very excited to do. Um, so we'll see about that. <laughs> but in the meantime, I can't give too many details because it's still kind of ongoing and negotiating and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I so, understand. So, um, but yeah, like things are looking pretty decent at the moment. Um, I, other than that, I mean, I've been doing sporadically sporadic TV for Comcast Sportsnet. Um, kind of With hoping brunch. that that. Yeah, basically brunch on TV, um, and I'm hoping that that turns into like a more solid and regular thing. Um, so uh, we'll see where that goes. But I mean, since the layoff, I've kind of just been enjoying my summer, and you know, it, it for me the timing was ideal because it was right after hockey season, um, and you know, I've kind of you know I've been able to enjoy my summer, enjoy nice weather, uh, and not feel like I'm completely. Uh, falling behind on work and stuff like that because there's not a ton of NHL stuff happening. Uh, I'm yep. hoping to to land uh, a full time job, full time writing gig uh, before hockey season starts, and I think I'm I might be uh, on the right track. All right, great. Um, so you got a, a few rapid fire questions to close it out with? Yeah. Before I do the the rapid fire question, I just have a question, kind of a general writing. Do you prefer kind of like the brunch style of writing, or are you like would you like to focus more on sports if like someone came to you with a job offer which one would you rather do uh i think i i think i'd rather do sports just because uh i'm more comfortable uh in you know knowing sports mm -hmm. like i don't pretend to be a music snob i don't pretend to be like a, a movie snob i'm right. kind of just a uh you know I'm like an average Joe in that sense. Like I'm not going to tell you the ins and outs of a song technically or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have like a, I'm not like a huge film buff going back into history. So uh, I'm just kind of somebody who, who, you know, if I hear something that I like, I'll, I'll tell you, I like it. And I don't care. Like if it's, you know, if it's Carly Rae Jepsen, I'm not going to be ashamed to be like, I, you know, I love, I love this song. Uh, yeah. But, and you know, if I see a movie, um, that I love, I'm going to tell you, I, I love it, even if it's, you know, an animated movie or whatever. So I, I'm just a hundred percent honest with myself in terms of that stuff. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, that's played into the brunch angle, mm -hmm. but I'm definitely more comfortable saying that I know sports more than I know pop culture. Yep. Yep. All right. I'll hit you with a few rapid fire questions, just uh, like quick answer, or if you want to kind of go into it a little bit, uh, you can as well. All right. So the first one is just your favorite movie of all time. So I was actually thinking about this because I'm working on a project right now. Um, I know it's not the best movie of all time, um, but I'm pretty obsessed with uh, 500 Days of Summer. I watch that movie all the time. Um, it's a good one. And, good choice. Uh, in the same vein, like if I had to pick two, I, I don't know if that's a romantic comedy because it's a pretty depressing movie. Um, but uh, So 500 Days of Summer and Crazy Stupid Love are probably like up there and that I enjoy and are rewatchable over and over and over again. Crazy Stupid Love is fucking incredible. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's one of the best movies that I've ever seen in my life. And How I they tie it. it all together at the end is, I still so, remember the first time I saw it, it blew me away. Next one is uh, Fuck, Mary Kill, Tom Brady, Hockey, and Twitter. Ooh. Uh, Jesus. I, <laughs> oh, man, that's so difficult. It's so hard for me to say kill Twitter because it, it's done so much for me. And like, if I lost, if Twitter just like blew up tomorrow, I'm, I'm basically no, a nobody and I provide <laughs> no value. Um, so, uh, 
it's so difficult, but I, I have to, I have to, I have to kill Twitter just because, you know, I, I love Twitter and I'm not going to be one of those people that says like, Oh, I fucking hate Twitter. Cause there's so many people that do that. I love Twitter. It's great, mm-hmm. but it can be so, so frustrating at times. Um, and there are just like a lot of terrible people on Twitter. Um, so it would save me a lot of headaches. I'll get rid of Twitter. Um, I'll for sure marry hockey because it's, it's it's never gonna it's never gonna get older. It's never gonna have to retire. <laughs> um, I, I'll I'll make the long term commitment to hockey, um, and I, I'll obviously fuck Tom Brady. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Tom Brady, the second most handsome quarterback on the Patriots roster. Stop it. It's 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 it, it's a tough one too, and uh, it's, it's not it's a not it's not a tough one. A too. Trade. It's an easy my one. My selling too. point my selling point is that Garoppolo isn't rich yet and he's already this attractive. In two thousand one Brady didn't look the way he does now before he made his money. That is a fair, fair point. But not point. everybody ages like Tom Brady. Like Garoppolo could That's age poorly. True. Yep. Yep. Next one is your favorite Boston championship of all time. Ooh. Uh man. Not Bruins? So it's, I think it's either between, uh, it's either between the Bruins Stanley Cup or it's the 2004 Red Sox World Series. Um, just because you know I never thought that was going to happen, and that was a major, major Red Sox guy uh, back in 2004. Like uh, I obviously, you know, I, I was a hockey guy, but um, you know, baseball was probably my number one uh, growing up until you know probably like post post lockout. Um, so. Yeah, so I I think I'm gonna have to say the 2004 World Series just because you know it was so huge for the city, mm-hmm. so huge for the organization, um, and it's just something that nobody thought was gonna happen. Yep, can't go wrong with that answer. And uh, also just the way that it happened. I mean, like the yeah, the, yeah. the 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 Bruins Stanley Cup run was amazing, um, but I mean you cannot beat. The, the ALCS in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just going to give me goosebumps and chills until the day that I die, and I'm never going to be able to believe that they actually pulled that off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, staying with the Red Sox theme, uh, Devers, Mookie, or Benny? Uh, Mookie, for sure. Uh, I, I'm a huge Mookie guy. Uh, I, I absolutely love him. I love those other guys, too, um, but I think Mookie is for sure the most valuable guy that they've got on that team. So many people in the set. I mean, it's the whole thing right now. Like, people say this Red Sox team is unlikable or whatever, but they're also just like the most likable guys. Like you can't say anything negative about like a Devers or a Benny or a Bogarts. Yeah. But I, I think that maybe that's why a lot of people find them unlikable because like there's, mm. there's not these like crazy characteristics or crazy qualities uh, about these guys that make them stand out. Like I kind of want one of those guys to turn heel on yeah. like the rest of the league mm-hmm. and have and just like we have nobody that's absolutely hated by everybody mm-hmm. and i i kind of need that i want a guy that everybody hates like at this point everybody hates tom brady one because he's so good and then like the 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 cheating accusations and stuff like that like i understand why everybody else hates that guy but it makes it so much better to have him on your team mm-hmm. just to throw mm-hmm. it in everybody's faces so uh, I need an unlikable guy on the Red Sox, and I guess the leader leader in that clubhouse is David Price. But I think he's unlikable here more than anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. What's the the most starstruck you've ever been? Oof, that's a good question. Uh, man. So I at the All Star game 
this year for NHL. Um, they did the 100 greatest players of all time. Um, and, you know, the, afterwards the media got to go out on stage and, and, you know, interview whoever we wanted and kind of just mingle and stuff like that. So I think that that was kind of the most starstruck I've ever been, not because of like one particular person, mm -hmm. but just because in a sea of people, any direction that I turned was like an absolute legend of the game. And it was like guys that I grew up watching, uh, guys that, you know, my parents grew up watching. It was just crazy. And I never thought that I would be, in, uh, you know, in a position where I was just surrounded by close to a hundred of like the best players of all time. Um, so that was a really crazy thing, but I would say like in terms of one specific person, um, I, don't know, I got to meet I got to meet Miles Teller uh, last summer <laughs> or last uh, spring or whatever it was, um, and just that was super cool because I'm. It was like a you know it's an A list Hollywood yeah, celebrity yeah. and it's right in the flesh and I got to see all the scars on his face that you kind of don't see when he's on TV and it was just like this is really cool. So uh, I would say that's probably like the, the individual that I was most starstruck by. Was he a so pretty nice that, guy? Uh, yeah, he was really nice, uh, really charming. Uh, and I think it also helps when somebody is taller than you expected them to be. Hmm. Like for me, I don't get starstruck by people that are closer to the ground, which is <laughs> kind of funny because I'm really short. Um, but like I think that it's it's more of a kind of more of a presence when a guy is, is taller. So for Miles Teller, he was taller than I expected him to be. And I was like, huh. <laughs> this guy this guy's a, a hollywood stud so uh you've seen the spectacular now no if i have is that oh yeah i have is that with um him and shailene woodley yeah i have seen that yeah that's that's that'd be one right up here in dj's alley if you had it. yeah i did i enjoyed that movie i thought it was pretty good other than yourself who has the strongest twitter game <sighs> Oh, that's so difficult. I'm sure, like, I'm gonna think of somebody after the fact and be like, yeah. "Oh, I should have picked that person." Um, are we sticking in just sports, or are we sticking in anything? Oh. Keep it in like sports and pop culture, I guess. Sure. sure like, yeah. like, like a like a media person, say, not like an actual celebrity. Oh man, that's so tough. Oh. Uh, one guy that I really like in pop culture is uh, he's. Can't even Dave uh, Itzkoff, who uh, he writes for the New York Times and he's kind of like their pop culture guy. And uh, you know he's got a really good sense of humor and his Twitter game's pretty strong. Um, and then you know otherwise in sports, there's like a there's a lot of good sports accounts, and I feel like you know I've got a good gra a good grasp of who to follow. But in terms of like one particular person. That's so difficult to pick pick one person. <laughs> I'm just gonna say myself. All right. So <laughs> the, okay. the, I know the I know the uh, the question was other than myself, but I'm gonna pick myself. <laughs> is Jared gonna be pissed you didn't say him? No, because Jared is like a I'm a stick to only baseball kind of person. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I for me, that. I have no use for that. I want I want somebody to encapsulate everything. He underrated. Doesn't know how to use technology either, right? Oh, it, I don't even know if that's underrated. Like he is just an idiot when it comes to technology. He does not understand how anything works. Uh, does McGregor have a chance on Saturday or no? Uh, I want to say 
I want to say he does, but I really don't think that he does unless he gets like a really lucky and just throws an absolute haymaker and knocks and knocks Floyd out early. Yeah, I think people are like they want to believe he has a chance, but I I mean I think it's just going to be it's going to get ugly real quick. I don't think he'll be able to touch Floyd. I think it's yeah, just, I, it's not going to be a fun fight to watch. I think it's it's going to be like the Mayweather Pacquiao where it's just everyone's disappointed at the end. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm not a person that knows fighting the ins and outs. I, like, there are much smarter people in that stuff yep. than, than me. Uh, and they say that, that that McGregor doesn't really stand a chance, so I tend to believe them. Mm-hmm. But I will say that if, if somehow, some way, oh. McGregor manages to, to beat Mayweather, it's going to be, yeah. like, one of the top sports moments of my entire lifetime. <laughs> it would be It's incredible. just going to be an absolute bananas event. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I'll remember that forever. So that's what I'm rooting for. Yeah, I think everyone is. They just drops him, and then just the world goes it lights on fire. It would be unbelievable, especially because like he's the most cocky person in the world already. Yeah, yeah. And if he manages to to give the first boxing loss to a guy who's been boxing his entire life, mm-hmm. uh, and just like walk into the boxing world and knock out like uh, the guy who's who's most heralded at the moment. Like, I, I just want to see how cocky that guy becomes. Oh, yeah. For, for it to happen in, like, 2017, too, just with all, like, the memes and the gifts that would be, yeah. like, created Twitter from it. Twitter would be it. lit on fire for, like, weeks at a time. <laughs> um, okay, yes. So we can close there, Pete. Again, we want to, like, really thank you for coming on and doing this with us. Um, like I said, like, we think, like, we're both fans of yours. And, you know, it sounds like you're going to have a full-time opportunity coming up. And we're excited to see where you land and to follow your journey. Thanks so much. I appreciate the kind words and the support and all that. And I appreciate you guys inviting me on. So he was legit, right? He lived up to the hype? Yeah, what a cool-ass dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he didn't, like, I tried to, like, hype him up, like, uh, I can't he really just understands how the internet works and yep. you know how twitter works and he i fucked up forgot to ask him about it but he was like one of the first people like who would like watch a game and then like make a gif out of it and tweet out that gif uh when it comes to hockey he's like the number one person you follow yep. to just like be watching a game uh a clip happens and he gifts it he creates that gif and sends it out so, um, so he he cut out for a second when he was talking about uh like his potential future jobs did he say barstool no, he what he, he said uh, when before he got to Fox Sports, he was talking to Dave yep. about Barstool, and Dave said, you know, reach out again in a few months because he was dealing with the New York move. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he got the Fox Sports things. But I don't, I don't. It seems it seems like it would be an obvious match. I mean, Pete already does uh, Section Ten that's sponsored by Barstool and everything, and he's clearly talked to Dave before about it. Right. Um, Did he? Know, he didn't it, give a name though. He didn't say who he would. No, no, no. Which is uh, understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anywhere he ends but, uh, up will be. I mean, I hope he ends up at Barstool. That seems like a perfectly logical fit. I mean, he. Yeah. Any like any sort of podcast, you could plug him right in, and he'd be a good good addition. Yep. Him and Feidelberg, like we like we were just talking about before, like him, DJ, and Feidelberg, they all have the same. Yeah. Uh, personalities, and if you were if you did go to Barstool, then he'd be right there with Jared now too. So. Yep. For the for the section ten. Yeah, no, another good episode in the books, and we'll see where we go from here.